0: Hey, MTT. Welcome back. And today is Wednesday. And in this summer's month, the Wednesday share will be given by Harav Moshe Targan, A share on ethical character. Midot, ethical attributes and character. Harav Moshe Targan. Last Sheer described the danger of the trait of arrogance. That amongst all the traits of human character which the Rambam encourages or endorses the Mida benonis, the middle or balanced approach. There are two traits which the Rambam, in the second paragraph of Deut, warns against any, any moderation. They have to be eliminated or extinguished in an extreme and uncompromising fashion, one of them being arrogance. The second one, the Rambam writes, v'chein hakas, anger, midah or rage, midah rahi is a terrible trait. And here too, the Rambam endorses an extreme tilting of human character and development away from any trace of anger or fury. The Rambam describes um, anger perhaps being staged by the head of a household, by a parent, but naturally felt. A person can um, pretend or project anger when in a state of absolute calm and equilibrium. And then the Rambam cites various sources for the dangers of anger. Amru Chachamim, the Rambam writes, Kol ki ilu oved avodas kochavim. The Rambam is lifting here from two different Makaros. One is a Mishnah Avastri Avastri in Avastriv Nasan. And Avastriv Nasan in Perak actually is one of the variant editions of Avastriv Nasan. It's known as Nuscha Beis. There are two, classically, there are two different editions of Avastriv Nasan. So in Vnasen, of Nason, Perk of Beis, the Mishnah writes, HaMeshaber the VeHazarekes Bigadav, a person who expresses his anger. Notice, of Nasan is opposed to the expression of anger. It's not describing whether you feel anger. So of Nason is encouraging anger management, not necessarily anger elimination. So if a person acts upon anger, HaMeshaber Eskelav, he throws items, and, and either breaks them, or attempts to break them, tears his clothing... Keilu Oved Avodazara, very harsh uh, equivalency, very harsh associations. It's like he worships foreign deities. Now, according to Avestre of Nassan, the comparison between anger and Avodazara stems from the lack of any boundaries and the vulnerability which submission to anger both reflects and also generates. Namely, by displaying such utter lack of control, such inability to maintain or to coordinate moral will and impose it upon emotional torrent or emotional strain, emotional response, person has <coughs> displayed or even created vulnerability for future temptation and a type of temptation which could even lead to idolatry, but not not necessarily idolatry exclusively, but any type of temptation and failure. The Mishnah continues, Because on this day, the Yitzhar is overpowered, and has that overpowering has created a mode of submission to a Yitzhar, a submission to hormones, to emotional needs, to personal aggravation. And today's submission will precipitate or facilitate Tomorrow's continued vulnerability, Ula Tomorrow, the Eitzahara will suggest Leichavod Avodazara. So, according to Avos Driv the um, the danger is in what today's explosion, today's um, volcanic eruption, has demonstrated, and is not just demonstrated, but even contributed to the inability to impose a moral balance upon very deeply felt emotions or instincts. This sentiment is expressed as well in a statement of Rabbi Nachman's in Nidaram Davchav Be'ez and Be'ez I'm Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak someone who is always angry Bi'adua She'avon Osav Mirubin Mizuchli It is quite evident that this person is a, is a sinner, will become a sinner hasn't conditioned the ability of self-restraint or Imposing self-control. Shneimer, Ibn Nachman quotes a pasuk. Ibn Nachman b.Yisrael quotes a pasuk from Mishlei. Ubalchema, Rav Pesha, a person who was a balchema, constantly full of rage and anger. Rav Pesha is overwhelmed and suffused with sin. So the Rambam, on the one hand, is quoting this Mishnah and Avos. Rav parallel by the Gemara in Nedarim Chavbeiz and but the earlier stage of the Gemara in Nedarim Chavbeiz and um Articulates it in a more structural and inherent manner. The Lushan of the Gemari is Ama Rabba Barifuna Kohakoes Afilu Shechina Eina Chashuva kinegdo. Person who is angry, even the Shechina, is worthless, is trivial. Kagova yidrosh luhim so this statement of Rabba Barifuna. As opposed to the statement in, in Abbas as opposed to the statement of Nachman by Yitzchak, doesn't speak of today's anger as inviting tomorrow's uh, moral deterioration. This statement, based on the Pasuk in Tehillim, Paragyud, Rasha, Kegova, Apo, Bal Yidroj, Eina Lohim, Osav, that in the moment of anger itself, the submission or the the uh the the expression of anger can only be conducted if there is a blurring or a neglect of a Baruch Hu's presence. The presence of Rabona Shalom, the concept of Shivisa Samid, should influence a moderating or tempering effect on personal anger. And by contrast, the expression of anger Driven by ego, driven by self-evaluation, an egotistical self-evaluation which can only be prompted by at least the slight blurring of a Kaddish Barho. So this indicates almost idolatry. And the Rambam perhaps phrases it in very harsh terms: "Kol Kilo Oved Avodes The original language of the Gemara: "Afilo Shechina, Eina Ashuva Kinegdo, the language of Rabbi Barifuna. and not simply because today's weakness will invite or enable further transgression, but in the very expression of anger lies the the lack of recognition of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and that lack of recognition is tantamount to avodah zarah. So, this is the first ideal the Rambam describes, the first danger of Kas, Kiyido Oveda Vodazara. The second statement he makes is also taken from the Gemara Nidarim, the Amru, Shakoha Koes, Im Chachamhu, Chachmaso Mistalekes Vimenu, the Im Navihu, Nivuaso Mistalekes Vimenu. Now, the Rambam describes not the Severity of the chet of kas, of the trait of anger, but the consequences. This is also based on a Gemara in Nidarim. The Gemara in Nidarim on Chavbezim and Aleph describes Moshe Rabbeinu, describes the three times. Actually, the Ramam is not citing the Gemara in Nidarim, but a Gemara in Sachim. It's a Gemara which introduces Lakish Amar. Adam Shakoes, whoever is Imnavihu, Nivuasa, that the consequence, the punishment for anger, is the, um, the loss of religious information, religious knowledge, Torah knowledge, and the loss of religious inspiration of the prophetic spirit of HaKadosh Baruch Barhu that enables Nivua. The Medrish as well as the Gemarim M'sachim, cite Moshe Rabbeinu as the example of a person who lost his Torah, or his prophetic spirit, as a consequence of anger. The Medrish says, There are three instances in the Torah where Moshe is quick to anger, has a quick fuse. Interestingly enough, the Medrish does not mention the most obvious, the moment of the Be'er, May Meriva, where Moshe was instructed to speak to the rock and ended up hitting the rock and was punished and banned from entering Eretz Yisrael. And presumably, part of Moshe's failure, maybe it's too harsh a word, but part of Moshe's um, error, the error that causes such a disproportionately severe punishment is not just hitting versus speaking, but the anger he displayed. The anger he displayed in a violent or aggressive type of an action, hitting as opposed to speaking, and in part the anger which was contained in his language. Shimuna hamorim hamin lechemayim, calling them rebels or outcasts or misfits. The manorish doesn't quote this moment because there is no particular halacha which Moshe forgot based on that moment of fury. The three instances the Medrash cites are Shabbos in Parshas Bishalach, where Moshe is angry at the people who have attempted to collect money on Shabbos despite his warnings to the contrary Klima when the um, soldiers returned from the Battle of Midian in um, Parshas Matos and they were instructed very carefully about not um, allowing any female survivors as possible temptations and yet they did And of course a very famous instance in Parshas Shemini where Moshe is angry at the presumed um, misprocessing of the korbanos, the special korbanos which were burnt instead of eaten. And finally Aharon corrects Moshe Rabbeinu. So these are the three instances of the medrash where Moshe's anger causes a, um, a dissipation of his knowledge. He forgets the halacha and in Parshas Matos, Eliezer has to, son of Aaron, has to deliver the halacha in Lazar Cohen. In Parshas Shmini, Aaron has to correct Moshe, Vayitav B'nei Moshe Moshe, Moshe, concedes and acknowledges that the korbanos should not have been eaten in the normal way, that they should have been offered in the standard way. In each instance, of course, Moshe is correct to a degree for expressing dissatisfaction or disapproval. Because in each case, his wishes had been disobeyed, had been neglected, had been ignored. But in each instance perhaps expressing disapproval was appropriate, but the level of anger which was voiced was unacceptable. Um, when the Abizdre of Nassan, in this case Nuscha Aleph, cites this instance, or at least it cites one instance of Moshe Rabbeinu's anger, it employs a very interesting phrase. Abizdre of Nassan Commenting on really the first Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, that first set of instructions, Shimon Atzadikai Mishiyari Anshekin Nes Sagidolah. Shimon Atzadik lived at the time of the Anshekin Nes Sagidolah towards the end of the first stage of the second Beit Hamikdash, and the first three statements authored in Pirkei Avos by Avos Ravnasan has Glatara have in Mesurim Madin veHamedo Tamidim Harbe. Having Misunim Madin is typically interpreted as a statement to judges about being temperate and deliberate and patient rather than impetuous in rendering judgment. Perhaps it doesn't really speak to judges, it speaks to every person in his judgment of his peers and the dangers of judgmentalism, not just legal judgment. But Abbas Nasan reinterprets the statement of Misunim Madin. Misunim Madin doesn't refer to an evaluation as much as communication, and particularly communication in the moment in which your wishes had been disobeyed. Ketzad Avost Ravnasin continues, A person should be Mamsin, one can say moderate, soft, calm, and a person shouldn't be Makbid on Dvarav, demanding, um, imposing expectations. Um, disappointed when his requests aren't fulfilled. Makbid Whoever is too demanding about his wishes ultimately forgets his Torah knowledge. Makbid When Moshe was too demanding and too expecting of his wishes he forgot his Torah, and the the Mishnah cites the instance of Pashas Matos, where Moshe is al devarav. Again, the final language of the Mishnah shehikbid al devarav Moshe What's fascinating about this employment of the term hikbid al devarav is it doesn't only describe rage or anger or a, a, a furious communication. It describes really the root of anger. When dealing with anger or responding to anger, there really are two strategies. One strategy is anger management. Thomas Jefferson authored his own Ten Commandments. He wanted to, um, he wanted to create moral guidelines for human behavior. So, one of his Ten Commandments he writes when angry, count to ten, when extremely angry, count to a hundred. It's a recognition that anger is a very difficult emotion to control. And Jefferson is preaching not the elimination of anger, but at least the ability to manage anger, and in this case to wait until anger has passed. It's a a brief interlude of lunacy. And to recognize that actions taken under the influence of anger will be mortifying or embarrassing, and won't ultimately reflect the interests or values of the angry person or at least the real values when anger hasn't interfered or distorted that system and certainly the original Mishnah that I cited from Nasa, Nusra, Beis, describes not the elimination of anger but just the ability to manage anger and pretty much just to as we would say ride it out or wait it out the Mishnah speaks about a person who demolishes kalim or tears, clothing wanton and uncontrolled response to anger this Mishnah, in the Nusra Aleph, the more classic version, Parak Aleph, describes the sources of anger. Anger is always driven, or even if it's not driven, it's certainly sustained by self-evaluation, by self-importance. I have certain needs and expectations, privileges and rights, and when those rights are taken, either by fate, or if I get stuck in a traffic jam, or Gets into the wrong lane, or his time or his needs are interfered with circumstantially or incidentally. And certainly, when those needs are compromised through active decisions or behavior of another, then anger is quick to develop because I have evaluated my time, my resources, my needs as more important than my fellow person's needs. And certainly, if that person is interfering, even if that person isn't actively interfering, Why is my time being compromised and challenged? Why are my needs being affected and his aren't? And at a certain point, anger shouldn't just be managed, but should be aggressively eliminated. And humility, last week's topic, and lack of inflation of ego and inflation of personality are certainly the way in which to limit not the expression of anger, but even the evolution of anger. It's a beautiful Mishnah again in Avos in the classic version. It's a very well-known story, Perak Tesvav, based on the Mishnah Al It's a Mishnah again in Perkei Avos Al Lichos, and here the recommendation of the Mishnah is not just about limiting the expression of anger but trying to even limit the development of anger. Altihinoach lichos. So the Mishnah describes the paradigm of someone who was slow to anger. Ketzad Milame Cheheki hazaken. Person should be like Hil hazaken who was very slow to anger. And it describes Hillel as an anaf. He should be humble like Hilil hazaken. in this case contrasting Hillel with Shamay, who is a Kaptan, again who wasn't just someone who was angry, but was always, to a degree, a purist, that we know about Shammai, but always expected his needs, his requests, his statements to be adhered to. And Hillel had less expectations. And the Midrash or the Mishnah elaborates upon the humility of Hillel. Mahaya invisanu social Hillel how was Hillel's humility expressed? And it describes the well known story of two people who wagered. One wagered with the other that he could induce anger. He could infuriate Hillel. The other one, knowing Hillel's virtue, of course, um, took the wager. So the person who bet on Hillel's anger approached him Shabbos Friday afternoon as he was preparing for Shabbos and he knocked on the door incessantly and he asked him all sorts of irrelevant and almost childish questions. Why are the eyes of people from the area of Tormid why are they slanted perhaps referring to Far East populations and Hill quietly reviewed his question and offered an answer even though it was in the latter stages of Erev Shabbos preparation after answering this question Hill returned to his preparation and the person knocked again and asked why are the legs of Africans wide Afriqeum and Hill answered his question and these were seemingly either at the very least irrelevant questions Embarrassing questions or inappropriate questions for Arab Shabbos. They weren't questions of gravity, and attempting again and again to anger Hillel, this better, this wager was um, was unsuccessful. And at a certain point, he actually uh, was so angry at Hillel's patience and tolerance that he um, he, he he even said something very, very insulting to Hillel. So the story of this illustration, the purpose of this illustration, is that Hillel's anger suppression was not some active moral decision to um, contain or restrain his emotions of anger. But he had such a low self-evaluation, his needs were not seen as superior or supreme that when they were abused, and in this case they were intentionally and aggressively manipulated, most cases we become angry, not even based on aggressive manipulation, but just because our needs are interfered with, again, casually and by fate and fortune, not necessarily through human intervention. Hillel is being portrayed as the opposite of a kapdan. Again, Shammai in this case is described as a kapdan, Hillel is described as an anav, the opposite of Kaptan. and getting back to that original statement in the Medrash, or the original statement of Aves Rav Nassan, Moshe Rabbeinu is described as a Kaptan, as not just someone who in this, these three instances allowed his anger to be expressed, but was brought to anger because of, in this case, even a slight level of self-evaluation which caused the anger. And in this lies the reason that the punishment for anger is the loss of Torah knowledge. The Gemara M'sachim, which I read earlier, describes a a moral, um, a moral situation. The Gemara says, mm-hmm. Even someone that had been fated for greatness, mm-hmm. they will punish him, and the content of this punishment will be a De, uh, a devaluation, a demotion from certain religious potential or religious standing. And part of that demotion is the loss of Torah knowledge. Part of that demotion is the loss of prophetic ability, each of which are not just intellectual or cerebral achievements, but have to be complemented and assisted by a Kurdish baruch. Certainly, the prophetic inspiration of Nivua is at some level a divine delivery, there's a machlokas we've shown him as to how much human preparation is necessary to um, enable or allow a Kodesh Baruch Hu to empower and endow prophetic spirit. But either way, and the Rambam is notable in assuming that a Navi isn't just a mouthpiece for divine words, but a Navi has cultivated the type of virtue and moral integrity and interest and knowledge of a Kodesh Baruch Hu that invites HaKadosh Baruch to provide suitable complementary prophetic endowment. But even the Rambam assumes that prophecy can't just be achieved without divine decision. And by juxtaposing the loss of prophecy to the loss of Torah knowledge, the same statement is being issued about Torah. Torah study isn't merely intellectual, but has to be delivered by the Rabboni Shalom. And the Rabboni Shalom does not see the angry person nor the arrogant person as the proper um, proper recipient of Torah knowledge. So in this respect, anger and humility, or anger and arrogance, are each parallel in that they engender a loss of Torah knowledge as a moral consequence. But the loss of Torah knowledge is not simply a moral reality, it's an intellectual reality as well. As I mentioned in a previous year, retaining and acquiring Torah knowledge is not just an intellectual experience, but is a moral pursuit. If we truly see the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as encrypted in Torah, encoded in Torah, so Torah knowledge becomes a, a pursuit that demands relentless, almost uncompromising interest and in energy. So our ability to understand is not just linked or not just tethered to our intellectual aptitude, but to the interest we pour and to the concern that we show and to the recognition of Torah as the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Retaining, we retain knowledge that's important to us. We forget knowledge that's less important. Something which our lives were based upon, or staked upon, we'd certainly remember. If we saw a Torah as eternal, as the word of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we would forget it. The, the, we wouldn't forget it as quickly. It's a beautiful medrash in Parshas Kitisa that had we heard the entire Torah from Hakadosh Baruch Hu at Harsinai, in reality, we only heard two mitzvot, and the rest was relayed by Moshe Rabbeinu, a basar vadam, a human being, a human agent, a human intermediary. But had we heard the entire Torah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu at HaR Sinai, we would never have forgotten one single word of Torah. This medrash presumably doesn't only describe a supernatural reality that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's voice would have created a level of understanding that would have been more difficult to elapse from the human consciousness, but not just a supernatural reality, but an existential and intellectual one. We would have seen Torah as the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we would have invested greater effort at understanding and retaining, cataloging and remembering and reviewing. But once Moshe Revenner relayed the Torah, as the Medrash says, we saw Torah as the work of Basav Adam, and we forgot that it's the work of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We ignored that reality. So, the acquisition of Torah knowledge is a moral crusade, not just an intellectual exercise. That moral crusade is driven by the... Um, Sustain awareness of Torah as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's word and the evaluation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and His word for its eternity and for its enormity. Once anger seeps into the human heart and into the human imagination that interest in HaKadosh Baruch Hu necessarily, by definition diminishes. There's no room for a full appreciation and submission and interest infatuation with the when human ego, human anger human evaluation dominates the human imagination so when anger sets in our view, our obsession almost our enchantment with the Rabboni Shalom diminishes and that diminishing presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu obscures our interest in His Torah and the obscuring of interest in Torah and in the eternity of Torah leads to the loss of Torah knowledge and Torah information. So when the Gemara and Sachim coupled with the Medrash in Vayikra describe kol ha al-divarav kol ha-koes nisaom imenu halacha forgets Torah chachmasa Mistalekis. it isn't merely describing a moral penalty as much as an intellectual reality. I mentioned before that the Rambam Refers to this Gemara Sachim and to the Medrash when he writes Chachmasa Mistalekas, Nivuasa Mistalekas. Then the Rambam concludes, this doesn't really conclude the Halacha, he quotes another consequence of Kas. U Kas, ein Chayehem Chayim. person who is a Baal Kas, a person who is always angry, his life loses his inherent meaning. There doesn't seem to be any clear um, source for this Rambam, as opposed to the previous statements. Kolakowes kilo Vodazara, Chachmasom um, mistelekes, the Gemara in the the Gemarim Sachim, Avas Riv Here, the Rambam, when he writes "Ein chayahem Chayim," doesn't um, doesn't link or doesn't describe a statement that has a a evident or clearly evident source. But he is providing a third consequence of unrestrained anger. Number one, the lack of any interest or recognition of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's moderating influence is tantamount to Avodah and also creates future vulnerability. Number two, his wisdom and his prophetic spirit diminish or reduced A. as a punishment a penal standpoint. Two, as a reality because HaKadosh Baruch Hu's presence is less visceral and the interest in Torah and in prophetic pursuits is less compelling. Third consequence is existential. Ein And in this instance, the Ramam reminds us of a truism of moral failure. Halachically, a labsha ein bo a avera without a particular concrete activity, does not yield corporeal punishment. Ein bo ein bo in. Now, there are some Averos that don't have an activity even though they are um, acts, behavioral, for example, Lashon Hara, there's no activity of Lashon Hara, speech is not considered a physical act, but there is a, a we can certainly call uh, Lashon Hara a crime, a person commits an act, a crime, a particular uh, decision to take an action against another person. But Many of the Lashambo mices are simply character traits, kas and kinah and kavod, and obviously these have no penalty. Part of the reason that alav she'im bom at least the behavioral traits, the ugly behavioral traits, there is no penalty, because they don't need a penalty. The traits themselves are penalty enough. After all, what's the penalty for jealousy? Penalty for jealousy is itself jealousy. person lives a jealous, envious lifestyle, unable to appreciate his own achievements, his own resources. The gifts Sakarish Baruch Hu delivered him. person who chases kavod is unable to act based on conviction, based on inner integrity, but is always acting based on public approval and public interest. That's a nightmare unto itself. Nowhere is this consuming effect of a behavioral or an ugly behavioral trait more evident than in the instance of anger. A person who's always angry and livid furious and enraged, there's an emotional and moral instability that constantly hovers over that person's persona. It doesn't just make that individual um, unlikable and unattractive to others, but simply imbalanced and unsuccessful in responding to the challenges, to the varieties of life's events and expectations. So the Rambam, his third um, warning signal is not ideological, the absence of a Baruch Hu's presence, and not religious, the, uh, the um, abdication of knowledge, simply existential, the Rambam writes. So, lekas their life becomes worthless, becomes tasteless. And as with everything else, since our existence is at the baseline of our personality, as ironic as it sounds, that's the most severe punishment, that's the most severe consequence. Obviously, idolatry is a pretty severe experience, but when Chazal say, he hasn't really committed idolatry, it's just something which is flavored with the same... Tendency which idolatry is based upon. Same thing, a person loses his chachma, Moshe Rabbeinu lost the halacha here, halacha there. When the Raman describes Ein Chayyim Chayyim, he's describing a comprehensive and systemic emptiness and purposelessness to at least the moral, virtuous lifestyle.